Here we go. We're going to see how this goes. I get to see into the hearts of, of coaches and athletes yes. so quickly. We can have this adrenaline rush in the moment and still be the image bearers of Christ that we are called to be. My passion is for the life of Christ to be lived out through me. I mean, Seth turned a little red when he was talking. It was really, really good. I get really excited. We want to find an easier time. We want to find a better time. And it's never going to appear. The best time is now. Zach, you're dropping proverbs on us, man. My work as coach is a minister of the gospel. Man, I am looking forward to more conversations around this. You guys are the best. Hello and welcome back to the Competing Biblically podcast. Seth here with you. Unfortunately, uh, Nick and Zach are not able to be on today. They have both actually been recovering from COVID this week. Uh, Don't worry. They are okay. They are good to go. You're going to be hearing again from them soon. Um, But in the meantime, unfortunately, you're stuck with just me. Uh, We're excited to have them back. They will be back on But um, today, it's just going to be me sharing with you, and without them, I didn't want to jump into anything new, so we went over the intro. We kind of introed the second season of the podcast last week um, by by introducing the Handbook on Athletic Perfection by Wes Neal, and we walked through the intro. Uh, Today, I didn't want to go into chapter one. Chapter one is a great discussion that it is important to have. I think with as many voices in as we can. Um, So we're going to hold off on that. But there was just a quote, a section from the introduction that we talked about last week. I just wanted to dive deeper into. I thought this would be a good opportunity to not cover anything new, but go deeper into one specific area that we probably talked about for five or so minutes on the last episode. Um, And that comes from the introduction to the handbook on athletic perfection. And just a reminder, I encourage you to walk with us through this. This is a great resource to walk through individually and to walk through with others if there's someone you're wanting to disciple and this kind of stuff. So you can get it. You can get... um, This is a great resource that you can walk through yourself and disciple someone else in. And you can get this at Cross Training Publishing. And I think in every episode for this season, we're going to have that link down in the description. So you can check it out um, in the description of this episode and go there. And I encourage you to get one and walk through it with us. And it's actually perfect because Wes Neal recommends you cover one chapter a week and not go through it too quickly. So you can walk right along with us and go deep. Um, And Ron Brown, as I said last week, also has videos on a lot of these. So go check those out. Those links are in the description as well. Um, But in the introduction we talked about last episode, uh, point number three, and a specific pair, not a specific paragraph, a specific sentence in point number three, I thought would be a good opportunity to dive into. And um, point number three of why, um, what this handbook tries to establish is an athlete has a built-in platform for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So as, um, and this is for athletes and coaches and parents and everyone else. So 
the realm of athletics, and we've made this case a lot here on the podcast, is such an advantageous avenue to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, And I think the sentence, the one sentence we highlighted in this point paints the reason perfectly. And that sentence says, they listen not because he is an expert on the subject, but because they have a familiarity with him. So they listen not because you're an expert, but because they know you. In the world of athletics, we spend so much time together, and the time of what we're doing together is not, um, they're sitting down in small talk, and there's talking um, around, uh, you know, recreational things, but there's also really intense. We walk through tense moments and intense moments together. We work through conflict together. We overcome challenges together. And those things form a bond quicker than what you can form a deep relationship with in most other arenas of life. Um, And because people in that arena know you so well, it is a great platform for sharing um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I just kind of today mapped out five points, five ways that we can do that, that we can make sure that we are not wasting our participation, uh, whether that be as a coach, athlete, official, etc., in the world of sport. And I'm going to preface this by saying I am young. I've been coaching probably for only about four years now. I'm only 25 years old. Um, so I do, when I share the points and whenever I do this, especially with sports ministry and with coaching, I have a strong conviction upon these things, but I do not pretend like I know everything. And, um, I absolutely don't. As a matter of fact, we're only a month into our new fall season. I feel like I've been learning more and being convicted of more this season than I have in many seasons past. And I feel like I'm growing a lot. So I know I have a lot to learn. But where I have been, where I'm at uh, in playing and coaching my experience in those arenas, as well as walking through this competing biblically stuff, um, I just outline five points that I think can be very helpful for us as we seek to um, compete according to the Word of God, by the power of God, and for the glory of God. Um, so with that, I hope you, you take time to listen um, I really believe these are not things just for me, but things that, that the Lord would have us do. And, um, and yeah, I, I pray that you'd listen with an open heart, open mind, and, and let the Lord convict or show you what he will. Um, so my, my five points, the first one, the first point of how do we capitalize, and maybe capitalize isn't the correct word, how do we keep a proper perspective, a proper focus, and how do we not lose sight of the fact that we are ambassadors for Christ? And how do we take every moment and use it for his glory and not get lost in the day-to-day, the moment-to-moment aspects of competition? And point number one that I have found very helpful is taking time to focus. And time to focus for me looks like a lot of times I'm driving up to practice or driving up to the game. I'm in my car and I'm, I sit there and I take, so a lot of times it's only 30 seconds. Sometimes it's a couple of minutes. If I've had a difficult day, have a lot on my mind or just a busy day. 
Um, but taking time to focus and set my priorities. And a lot of times for me, this looks like prayer. Um, just while I'm in the car, before I get out, if I'm late and I'm in a hurry, um, a lot of times while the players are getting ready, uh, our team, the guys do a workout with our strength and conditioning coach for the first 20 or so minutes of practice before they come with us. So while I'm setting up cones, things like that, like that time while I'm walking around, just kind of setting up the field for the day, um, those moments when I'm by myself are good times to set my focus and to set my priorities. And that's because it's really easy to walk into practice thinking, um, okay, so I'm the I'm largely the, the defensive coach on our team. So it's very easy for me to walk in to practice each day going, okay, today we got to work on our shape because yesterday during our scrimmage or during our game, so-and-so was always out of position and we did not have any discipline in the way that we defended. So we have to work on being controlled and self-disciplined, but still aggressive. Um, so those things, preparing my mind for the actual soccer in practice can a lot of times take away from what should be my ultimate goal, which is being an ambassador for Christ there on that team. So sitting in that car, taking 30 seconds to set my focus right before I open the door and walk out to the field has been really helpful for me, and I don't do this every day, but I should. Um, it doesn't have to be prayer. I'm sure there's other ways whether you read something beforehand that you're walking through. I'm sure that can be helpful. And I know um, I am not in this season, so maybe you coach and you have kids and you bring your kids that are on your team with you to practice. Um, you might not have that alone time, and you can let them go to the field, have that time to yourself, or even while the kids are getting their stuff on, you know, take that walk to yourself to set your focus, or even do it with your kids. I think that could be helpful. Um, like I said, I know nothing of that world, but taking an opportunity to pray and to set the focus with those that are with you could be a great opportunity, I could only imagine. Um and we do this, we know this principle because think about in during games as a coaching staff and our captains and whatever, we take time to set the focus for the game. A lot of times we have pregame speeches, pregame routines that are all geared around setting our focus, our minds on where they need to be. As a matter of fact, um, our coach this past week, the head coach, I thought he gave an excellent pregame speech that wasn't just about hype and getting excited, but he talked, we're playing a really difficult opponent and our program is in a rebuilding stage and he set the focus for the evening, which was, um, we are going to be the best that we can be. We're going to be the best us. And I want you to focus on being the best you. So no matter what the score is, no matter what happens, we are going to strive to be the best us that we can be, which um, he listened. So I don't know if he took this directly from the podcast or our teaching, but it fits perfectly into the competing biblically framework, which our goal is to close, to glorify God by closing that gap between our potential and our performance. We're trying to be the best that we can be to the glory of God. The goal is not to win, it's to be the best. And and you can lose and, and still win in that arena, and you can win and still not be, not have closed that gap between your potential and performance. You 
could have not been the best that you could be and given your best effort to be that person. And that set the tone for our night. And we had, we lost. This was a, a really good team. Um, we still lost 2-0. But for us, it, the way we played, the effort we gave, it was a win. And um, the team knew that. They were proud of the way that they competed and they, they should have been. Um, obviously, there are some things that we see that we wanted to work on, but his speech set that focus and it set it so well. But why do we only do that before games? Every time we set, um, we get ready to step out on the field for practice, for whatever, we really should be setting our minds on Christ and setting our focus to why we're there. Um, and really, this is the purpose why you know a, a lot of people do devotions in the morning. Why is it? To set their focus for the day. So um, point number one is to take time to focus and set your priorities for why you step out there because there's a lot of different things competing for our attention and our effort. And we need to make sure that, that living and walking with Christ and following the leading of the Holy Spirit are at the forefront of those priorities. So that's point number one. Um, <clears throat> point number two is widening our perspective and keeping our focus. So we took time to focus and now um, we need to keep our focus. I don't know why, but, but um, I translate this point to people in many different arenas. And the the vision that always comes to me is when I walk in to wherever I'm walking to. So I'm picturing... Um, where I back in, I park my car, and I walk through the gate to get to the soccer field where we practice. And I picture myself on the soccer field, and what do I see? What am I there to do while I'm walking in? What is my focus on? Is my focus on the people, or is my focus primarily on the sport? Because this is where, when we talk about being ambassadors for Christ, me as a soccer coach, I love the game of soccer, I love coaching soccer, and I do spend 90 percent of my time talking about soccer. That being said, I view soccer as a vehicle, not my purpose. Um, so when we widen our perspective and we look at the big picture of things, not just today, not just this practice, but the big picture of God's call on us, God's plan for us, and God's call and plan for the people that we're getting ready to interact with, our perspective widens and it helps our focus from being distracted by all these other things. Now, all those other things can can happen and we can take care of them without losing sight and focus as to why God has us there. Um, and so that, that comes to the point of, so we have to prepare for practice. We do do our sport. As an athlete, as, as a coach, we do execute our sport and we must have a plan and we must give time and attention to that. But we also must allow the the Holy Spirit, or we must see opportunities for God to work in other ways that are outside of our preparation. So as a coach, when you prepare a practice, we come with a plan, but don't hold on so tightly. We shouldn't be holding on so tightly to our plan, and that is um, the way it's going to be no matter what. Because there are so many times you come out, and there are other needs, there are other opportunities for God to use you. Uh, Proverbs 16.9 explains this really well, and it says, A man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So, planning, we should be, we should have, have a plan, and we should be prepared, is the word. We should be prepared for what we're about to do. 
but we must lay that down at the feet of God and allow him to change whatever plans we have because we are committed to following him and doing what he says. So if there's an opportunity to talk to an athlete, if there's an opportunity to do something different with the team that is needed, we need to be willing and ready to take those opportunities. And for me as an assistant coach, this is a lot easier. I have more flexibility than a head coach who spends a lot of time directing practice, whereas I'm more of a support staff person. So I can have more of those one-on-one conversations. But as a head coach, you you also need to be able to see the team. And if there's something different that would be more helpful to the team on this day than whatever you had planned. Um, so we really must hold our plans and our preparedness with an open hand. And it's not saying we don't need to be prepared because that's not at all what Proverbs 16.9 is saying. It's saying we have a plan, but God directs our steps. So um, there's a lot of people who are easygoing or they say they're trusting the Holy Spirit and they come not being prepared. And a lot of things they I find, and I used to be this way, um, a lot of things are not done excellently. So we must be prepared, but there's also people who come prepared and they come with that goal. Once they set a goal for this practice, they're determined to accomplish that goal. And there's no room for God to interrupt and change and lead and direct. There must be room in our minds and hearts for God to lead, change, and and step in. So um, those things are not opposite. We should be prepared and be willing to be interrupted by the Holy Spirit. I actually have um, a good testimony to this from this week. We have an athlete on our team who had some medical issues over the summer. They're going to be cleared, but they haven't been cleared to play yet, and it's taking a little longer than they expected. So they've been helping out with uh, running the the book at games and setting up and, and training at practice. They've been kind of like a manager-type position and the the team was doing a drill, and I was off to the side. I was actually following up with one of our other managers who plays on our girls' team, and she is beginning a walk with the Lord, and I was asking her how she was doing, how I could support her, and he overheard this conversation, and he actually goes, Coach, I, you know what I did this summer that I felt really proud of? And I asked him, "What well, what's that? And he said, I quit drinking. And he goes on to share with me about how his father is an alcoholic and he realized he was becoming like his father. He was drinking a lot because things had been difficult and that this summer he had quit drinking. And I took time to congratulate on him on that and took some time. I just asked him where he was at his faith because I was talking about faith with this other person and he said he doesn't believe. He said he believes in God, but he, he believes that kind of all religions lead to God and you're just called to respect and honor God. And we just had some a little conversation about who Jesus is and what he said about being the, the only way and how Christianity um, compares and contrasts to other religions of the world and other versions of God. Um, and I invited him. Actually, we had an FCA huddle that afternoon. He stayed afterward and came to our FCA huddle and um, just began a relationship where now I'm going to follow up with him and have more conversation. And all this was, this was about a five minute ordeal while the team was practicing. And I'm fortunate where the coach, the head coach and I are on the same page. He understands 
why I'm there. We're both there for the same reason and can see what's happening and allows me to take that time. But that was taking time to deviate from the plan to spend time with one or two people and allowing God to do something really cool. And I'm really grateful to been able to be a part of that. Um, so we have to have that mindset if we're really about the father's business while we're at practice um, specifically. So that's point number two. Point number two is widen your perspective and keep your focus. Point number three, build relational time into your team routine. It is important that relationships on our team are valued if we want to have influence upon those that are around us. And this can happen as a coach and an athlete. So I'm going to go through as a coach first, and then I'm going to walk through as an athlete. So some things that I know we have done, and our head coach does a good job with this, um, our athletes come, they get their stuff on, they warm up, and the first the first part of every practice is a 20 to 30 minute workout. And after that workout, we give them a few minutes to recover. And through that time, our head coach has been walking through a book about an athlete. Um, I don't know the specific book, but it's an athlete and they talk about different attributes of that athlete. This is a positive story about what other people said about him. And we work through those attributes and just ask some questions and have some discussion. Um, and it's a great way to get the team together to talk about things deeper than where you need to be positionally or what our strategy is for attack on the other team, but things about hard work and humility and, um, and things of that nature. So that has been a really valuable, just five minutes of time. They've just worked out. It's time for them to recover before we begin our practice and talk about things that are valuable to us as a team and to them as individuals. And it builds that deeper connection, having those kinds of conversation. Um, I know, like I said, I'm the defensive coach on the team. And every time we split up the offense and defense and work together, we typically have about a half hour. The first five minutes of every time we get together, each year I have my defense walk through a word. They choose a word that they want to define them as a unit. And we walk through that and we grow through that together. And we take five minutes and talk about that word. Um, my team's word or my group's word this year is ambition. So we sit there every day and we talk about the word ambition and what it means to us, how we've been doing on that good or not good and how we can improve in that area. And that's been a great way for them to connect. Um, our head coach also at the beginning of the year had the team over for a barbecue at his house, which I thought was an awesome idea. Um, coaches and spouses got to come. They got to meet his family. Uh, he had a pool party and had some food. And that was a great relational time to get together and to build that relationship. Remember, the main point on this for this whole episode was they listen not because you're an expert, but because they know you. So what a great relationship building opportunity to spend time outside of practice together. Um, I know teams in the past have gone out to eat together on teams that I've been, but I really loved having the barbecue at somebody's house there. Um, that relational step being on someone's property and getting to see them on their own territory, especially as a coach, I thought was really valuable and really good. Um, now as an athlete, you may say, I don't have control over those things. 
well, what do you do before, after practice, after games? That is time to build relationship with with those that are around you to build that relationship. What do you if practice ends at five thirty or six? Why? I mean, go go out to dinner once a week with those on your team. Um, if you're a parent and your kids are showing up to to travel practice at seven or five thirty in the evening, and the parents sit there and they drop their kids off of practice. Do something with the parents rather than... I know a lot of parents who just sit in their car during the practice and read and things. And those things can be good, but build those relationships with the other parents on your team. Um, so those kinds of opportunities to build those relationships should be on the forefront of our minds because I think it's Second Corinthians 5 that talks about God making his appeal through us to be reconciled to God. So we need to view God making his appeal through us. We should be reaching out to these people around us. Um, so build relational time into our routine. And then the fourth point is really similar. Um, but rather than building relational time into your routine, have relational time outside of your routine. As a coach or as an athlete, Go to other events or sporting events. Um, does does one of the kids on your team also do basketball or lacrosse or swim? Go to pick one of those meets or games a season and go go support them and let them know that you're there. Go encourage them and support them in that way, th- that outside of... Because then, so as a soccer coach, if I go, we have a kid on our team who plays basketball... I go to their basketball team or their basketball game and support them and maybe talk to them for a few minutes afterwards. I go from being their soccer coach to some just their soccer coach and maybe someone who only cares about them when they're on my field or on my team to now that communicates that I care about you outside of what only what you're useful to me. Um, and I don't even just want to build you up relationally so that I can get more out of you, but I actually care about what you do outside of whatever benefits me as your coach. And same thing as an athlete, um, supporting your friends, supporting your teammates on other endeavors that they have. And that may all, that could also be, you know, um, a, you know, a drama that the high school drama team is doing. It could be, a a band related thing, uh, things of that nature. We need to take time and support those that are outside of our routine. Going out of some, out of your way to support somebody and showing up is one of the best ways to communicate care, love, and compassion, period. Um, you don't have to come to anything fancy, just show up and it communicates a lot. Um, so that's, that's another way that we can build that relationship and and show the love of Christ to them. Um, so last point, point number five, but before I get to that, I'm going to recap our first four points. So point number one was taking time to focus beforehand. Point number two was widening our perspective and keeping our focus while we are doing the act of competing. Uh, number three is build relational time into your routine. And number four is relational time outside of of the routine show up to things and number five is this and this is the thing that we 
get people to. This is the point. These are the real opportunities. We plant seeds, we plant seeds, we plant seeds. And this can be another seed planting time. It can also be harvest time. So we always, so point number five is be prepared to share. Be prepared um, for God to work in any moment. And what do I mean by that? There's specific, specific things that tangibly are rolling through my mind. But first, I wanted to share 1 Peter 3.15, which is kind of the premise, the foundation of this point, which is always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So we always need to be prepared. So what does that mean to always be prepared? Well, number one, we need to know how to tell our story, how to tell your testimony of what God has done. And we need to know how to tell that story in two minutes, in five minutes, and I'm sure we all can talk longer, but we should be prepared to tell what God has done in any conversation and be ready for it. And I know I haven't always been prepared, but after sharing and sharing and sharing, now I have, I can share what God has done in a simple, but yet, um, I don't want to say powerful because that, that's, that's not what I mean, but I can get to the point and share the truth of what God has done without taking time in all the weeds and getting distracted or missing the main point. Um, and how do we do that? You just share and share and share and share. And as you do, you get better at telling your story. We need to be able to tell our story to others and to tell it well. So that's one part of being prepared because when someone asks you or when opportunities arise, we need to be able to jump on it and be able to tell that story. Um, So that's huge. So know how to tell your story. Number two, and this is really big, know the gospel and know how to tell the gospel. Two things we should absolutely be able to tell and bring up in any conversation and be well-versed in it is our testimony and the gospel. Those are two, I mean, obviously the gospel is the most powerful thing that has ever happened and the most powerful thing on the face of the earth. Our story is probably one of the most powerful tools, the most powerful things that God has given us to tell what he's done in our life. So both of those we should know. Um, A good way to remember the gospel, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has come up with a really good way, and it's helped me a lot. It's called The Four, and anyone can go to The Four, and that's spelled out, F-O-U-R, thefour.fca.org. I'll put that in the description, but anyone can go there and you can see it and it's super helpful. I have these wristbands that I wear them a lot. I give them out, but it has the four on it and the four is two symbols that help communicate the gospel. The first is a heart sign. It talks about how God loves you and he created you and you have a purpose and, um, and how he's holy and how, um, how God loves you. That's the first sign. That's the first symbol in the four. The second sign is a division sign, and it talks about separation, how sin separates us from God. It gets in the way of us having a covenant relationship with God that we were designed to have. Um, The third symbol is the cross. It talks about how God um, didn't leave us to our own devices to take care of our sin problem because we could not take care of it, but instead God stepped down 
out of the heaven to dwell among us, to inaugurate a new kingdom, and he died on the cross to pay our penalty, to take our payment for our sins. And then he rose again on the third day. Um, So it talks about how God came down and took care of our sin problem. So God loves us, but sin has separated us and we couldn't do anything about it. So God took care of it. He did it for us and took a price we should have paid by dying on the cross and paying for our sins and then rising again on the third day. And the fourth sign is a question mark. And the question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to put your faith, your hope, your trust, and entrust your life to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or not? Um, And there's not much in between. So those four symbols have been really helpful to me. um, And I use them all the time to share the news of the gospel. So we should be prepared to tell our story and to tell the the good news. Um, And third, this is one that's really been helpful to me. And that is have encouragements at hand. And what do I mean by that? I keep a stack. I keep Bibles in my car as well, but I also keep a stack of these books called God's Promises. Um, I get them at Hobby Lobby for like $3 a piece, and they have verses. It, it has a table of contents, and it talks about um, verses about when you're feeling depressed, verses about when you're feeling angry, what to do when this, um, and it has God's plan of salvation, It has a couple of different things in there, but it's a great place to meet people where they're at, especially if they don't already have that relationship with the Lord. So a lot of my athletes who have bad injuries, who um, I've given one to someone when someone in their family close to them passed away and they were grieving. Um, And actually, besides that one instance, every time I've given it out, it's been because of an athlete who's walking through an injury and is struggling Uh, mentally, emotionally with that reality and that recovery. Um, And I've given three or four of those out in the past year, and it's been such a great meeting point. And every single athlete from different areas of their walk, from kind of a walk for one of them and three of them who have no walk, it was all very well received and it helped them a lot. And it really planted those seeds. So I keep those in my car as well with the Bibles. And I'm always ready and I'm always prepared if something were to happen that I can hand that out and be a vessel for God to use. Um, So have those things ready. We need to be looking for opportunities. Uh, So be prepared to share. Know your story, know the gospel, and have resources on you that you can give. Look and anticipate to be a blessing and be a vessel for God to work. And that's a huge point of it, is to to seek those opportunities out. Because if our minds are elsewhere, then we're going to be swept up in the moment. Um, So those are my five points, five kind of concrete, more practical things about the day-to-day, about um, how we have a built-in platform for sharing the good news, and, and some ways that we can do that by building that relationship. So I hope that was an encouragement to you guys. Like I said, I don't pretend to know everything. I'm sure there's things that are good that I missed, and I would love to hear them. If you want to email us at competingbiblically at gmail.com or interact with us on social media, we have Facebook and Instagram, Competing Biblically Podcast. I'd love to hear. I'd love to learn from you all as well, because I know there are some of you listening that do this a lot better than I do and have a lot more experience. Um, But those are some... 
some points and some thoughts from me that I just wanted to pass along, and I hope they're helpful. Um, or if you already knew or practiced a lot of those things, I hope they were a good encouragement and good reminder. Um, but next time, Lord willing, we will be back, and I'll have Pancake and Nick back with us. We'll have a more lively discussion, and we'll be going through Chapter 1 of the Handbook on Athletic Perfection. Don't forget, I strongly encourage you to go to Cross Training Publishing and grab you a copy and walk with it through us. It will be great and transformational. Um, But until next time, thank you guys, and I can't wait to catch up with you again.